Okay, I think we're live now. Uh, I'd like to say thank you for coming and watching. Okay, I think we're live now. There we go. Sorry, a little technical difficulty there. Uh, thank you for coming and viewing Liberty's Lantern Week 3. Can you believe it? Uh, this week we're going to be talking about a topic first presented by George Squires. Also uh, was presented by a couple other people, uh, but George Squires was the first person to say... Uh, Give me the idea, so I really appreciate that. Uh, as far as uh, the topic, what is it? Well, we're going to be talking about the third party impact on the election, and could the third party actually have made a difference? <clears throat> it's a really interesting conversation. It's one that a lot of people have pointed fingers at. Uh, it's a, one that a lot of people have discussed. Uh, it's caused... Uh, uh, People at New York Times, uh, Fox News, uh, every single news outlet to talk about uh, immediately after. And there's a lot of celebrities that weighed in on this, too. Uh, first, I guess we should talk about, can a third party make an impact on a general election? The answer is yes. Uh, you look at Ross Perot, you look at Ralph Nader, uh, where they pull for a, a disproportionate amount from one party or the other, yes, they can make a difference. And that is one of the beautiful things about third parties. Uh, yes, they can be a voice for change. Yes, they can be a voice for reason. Um, but when it comes to the 2016 election, uh, we're going to go over a whole bunch of polling data later on in uh, in the talk. But first, we're going to start talking about the blame game. We're just going to start talking about a lot of other things. Um, but, you know, hey, blame is one of those things in politics that is just... <sighs> It's difficult to tag down. Uh, we love pointing fingers. We love pointing fingers at each other, uh, especially during the entire election process. Uh, we're always talking about what the other guy is going to do wrong. Uh, and it's become part of our political landscape. So it's a natural progression from there to actually point fingers of blame when we get to the end of the election. It's, un it's one of the unfortunate aspects of our entire election system. Uh, but when you start going into the, the backgrounds of the entire election process, the will be studied for literally generations to come, uh, this being the 2016 presidential election, uh, you've got to look at some things um, that are very self-reflective for the Hillary campaign. And a lot of these points have been brought up by CNN, they've been brought up by Fox News, they've been brought up by Politico, they've been brought up even by members of the Hillary National Campaign themselves. But things that they were fighting were a low favorability. Uh, yes, their poll numbers were high, but people were not excited to see her as a candidate. The party itself was divided. You had still, even on election day, high sentiment of uh, the, the separation of the Democratic Party between the Hillary Clinton supporters and the Bernie Sanders supporters. Uh, 
and let's call a spade a spade. She had a lot of scandals that that uh, followed her, and that some date back to her husband's presidency, uh, that were fairly or unfairly attached to her. And the other thing is, because she was the first lady uh, with Bill Clinton, uh, she has name recognition and immediate resentment by a lot of Republicans and independents that were not fans of the Bill Clinton administration. So uh, the fact that there was already a preconceived negative notion just attached to her name made it an uphill battle. Another thing that was brought up a lot was the uh, FBI director, uh, Comey, uh, reopening the FBI investigation into the emails in the 11th hour. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not here to defend or defame uh, Director Comey. Uh, yes, the timing was horrible. Uh, but let's be honest, his hand was kind of forced uh, because of the leak between uh, Anthony Weiner and uh, Huma Abedin. It, it, it was just really bad timing. Now, where that leak came from, how those came to light at that point, uh, is anyone's guess and will be talked about. Uh, could it be Russians? Could it be just general bad timing? That's for a conversation for another time and not for me to cover. Uh, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a, a, a long talk right there. Uh, and then even Politico and the DNC as well, uh, looking into it uh, in hindsight, because hindsight is 2020, the strategy was just wrong. Uh, they went with a traditional DNC strategy, go after the urban areas, and uh, which has always worked for them in the past. And uh, unfortunately, they weren't fighting a traditional GOP candidate. The, the candidate that they were fighting was very unconventional, and that, that's obviously Donald Trump. Uh, so a traditional strategy just did not work this time. Uh, the other thing is also they had very early indications that there was going to be a very high rural population turnout. And they did not try to counteract that. They, they did not try to stem that, uh, which was just a bad strategy choice. Uh, also, the ad spots that they were running, especially in the last weeks of the campaign, were very negative Donald Trump ads. Uh, it, it really was. They were very good at telling people why you should not vote for Donald Trump. However, they also never actually talked about Hillary Clinton's positive aspects. They never, in essence, asked for the vote. And because they never asked for the vote, no one was really motivated, or not nobody, because obviously she did receive the, uh, the popular vote, just not the electoral vote, but the popular vote. Uh, but she never was able to to materialize those fence hangers of why should you go vote for for Hillary Clinton, and those fence voters really would have made the difference. <clears throat> and then on top of that, she had bad polling, bad polling. Uh, all of her internal numbers showed that she was going to win Michigan by over five points, and in fact, as we all know, in hindsight, she didn't. She in fact lost Michigan. Michigan. Uh, also, she had a fundraising strategy that was extremely, extremely aggressive. Good for her. And yes, money does 
grease the wheels of politics. Uh, so you had almost all of August where she was engaged in small events, fundraising events, uh, where she should have already transitioned over to uh, more of a ground game. And um, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, this is all in hindsight. No one really at the time was saying, oh my God, you're doing this all wrong. Um, but again, hindsight is 2020. Uh, one of the interesting things is that there's still millions in her campaign fund. Uh, the campaign fund never got utilized fully. Uh, why do all the fundraising if you're not going to spend the money? Uh, so she even had, you know, a lot of advisors who were having her hold on to a lot of this money for the for the final push, potential legal uh, uh, legal fights against Donald Trump. So I understand the theory behind it. But, you know, in hindsight, again, it was it was a bad decision. Uh, and also, I, and this comes actually straight from the Hillary Clinton campaign, that they were targeting the popular vote and they weren't looking at the electoral college vote. They were they were looking at more of uh, being the popular candidate, uh, which is extremely important because the electoral college does vote predominantly on the on the vote of the popular vote so um yeah it was it's a smart idea but you also have to be very conscious of the fact that you have to play with the electoral college uh and they didn't do that enough they didn't run those internal numbers enough and it, it in essence it cost them at the end uh and then it continues on she had a hard time mobilizing the working class uh, and she was she had quite a few gaffes during the entire election. Uh, let's be honest, uh, her gaffes were were pretty uh, pretty substantial. Uh, she had the um, West Virginia coal miners, uh, and then she also uh, probably her worst was calling the Trump supporters the basket of deplorables. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what your base wants to hear. But those people that are on the fence and don't know which way they're going to vote, that's a great way to ostracize them or at least galvanize them into the Trump campaign. So uh, all of these things, it's really, really uh, difficult uh, to uh, to really kind of quantify, put them all together. Uh, but put them all together in hindsight, again, Hindsight, because hindsight's 2020, uh, it kind of starts to paint a picture of, uh, of what may or may not have gone wrong. Uh, so we've kind of totally ignored third parties so far. and But this goes into the blame game again. And so we're going to rewind the conversation a little bit here. Uh, and we're going to start talking right here. I'm going to share my screen with you. Uh, the PBS NewsHour, the Libertarian ticket impact the 2016 presidential race. I want you to note that this is back from May 30th. So this was really early in the campaign trail. Um, I, you, you didn't even have the conventions yet. Um, so, you know, you don't know what's going on. But they're already starting to set up that, that ground game of uh, what's going to happen. What, what are we going to be doing here? with the uh with the election and i have to say if you don't watch the pbs news hour 
Uh, it is, they try very hard to be nonpartisan. They, they succeed sometimes, they fail sometimes, but uh, it definitely is uh, a pretty good show to watch. Uh, as far as, you know, more mainstream uh, media, you have uh, the New York Times here uh, on the Upshot page. And this is from August 4th. So still pre-election, and it's talking about Gary Johnson. Uh, it, how is Gary Johnson going to affect the outcome? Uh, and they go through a lot of things. They start talking about, you know, at this point, he was still polling almost 10%. Uh, and then they were talking about the third candidate, part, uh, third party candidates, and how they usually trail off uh, just before the election and all of that stuff. So in essence, they were kind of uh, saying that he's not going to have a huge impact. But then they rewound and started talking about Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and the fact that they probably uh, that he very well may, because of how uh, unique this entire election cycle is. Then I want to for, uh, fast forward. This is right after the election, and this is in Newsweek. It's third-party votes could have cost Hillary Clinton the presidency. And one of the things I want to point out on this one is Perez Hilton. Uh, and the, again, I want to point out the time. This is November 8th at 11.43 p.m. So the election is is over, but the results haven't even been finalized yet. Uh, obviously by 11.43 p.m. we were starting to get an idea of which way it was going to go, but nothing was final yet. And uh, and here's uh, at the Perez Hilton, uh, lambasting Susan Sarandon and her support of Green Party Jill Stein and all third-party voters, thanks a lot, hashtag election, uh, election night. So now you have the... the a lot of celebrities, especially, uh, starting to lambast third-party voters, and they show—they always point back to that time with um, uh, with uh, Ralph Nader <clears throat> and uh, taking away so many votes from Al Gore, uh, and it really is one of those uh, situations that Ralph Nader is kind of a unique aspect. Most third-party candidates pull pretty evenly from uh, a lot of your uh, a lot of your candidates so we've talked a lot about uh, the the strategy we've talked about the different aspects of uh, impacts from uh, uh, celebrities and all of that stuff so we, we've gone over the emotional stuff I want to kind of hit up on the the numbers. Uh, so I'm going to share my other screen here. Whoops. There we go. So what if election totals? Okay. So what this is this is taken from a lot of different sources uh, and uh, poll data. Predominantly, uh, one poll done by Quinnipiac and another poll that was done by the New York Times. Uh, and unfortunately, this is from a couple of weeks prior to the election. Uh, but I'm going to still call this relevant, and the reason I'm going to call this relevant is because Gary Johnson and Jill Stein did not see massive poll number shifts in the last couple of weeks of the election. So I'm going to make the summation that a lot of the back numbers or the numbers behind the supporters really would not have changed much either. So 
With Gary Johnson supporters, uh, just to kind of look and, and go over these numbers, 40% of Gary Johnson voters would not have voted or would have had another write-in. Now, most of the Gary Johnson voters probably wouldn't have voted, uh, and uh, some of them uh, stated that they were going to uh, write in Ron Paul or uh, a whole host or litany of other candidates. 31% would have cast their vote for Donald Trump and 29% would have cast their vote for Hillary Clinton. Jill Stein voters are, are uh, actually quite a bit different. 70% would not have voted or would have had another write-in. The reason for this actually is Bernie Sanders. A very high percentage of Jill Stein voters uh, had stated uh, to the polling for, uh, to the polling people that they actually would have written in Bernie Sanders. And that's where that very high number is coming from. 25% uh, would have voted for Hillary Clinton. And surprisingly enough, approximately 5% would have voted for Donald Trump. Um, again, I'm just going to go off the numbers from the poll, uh, the pollsters, uh, and kind of take that as gospel. So let's see if we apply those numbers, let's take a look at four different states. The first state I want to take a look at is Pennsylvania. And here's the final election results uh, where, you know, Donald Trump has 2.9, Hillary has 2.8, uh, Gary Johnson has 142,000, and Jill Stein has 48,000. There's a total of a 1.2% uh, difference. And now, I want to take Gary Johnson and Jill Stein out of the mix, but using the poll numbers that we had seen from that first slide. Now, if we do that, we notice that Donald Trump still wins. There's a 2.9, uh, he's still at uh, 2.9 million, Hillary Clinton's still 2.8 million. Uh, the gap has closed a little bit, but not by a lot. So Donald Trump still carries Pennsylvania if the poll data holds accurate to not having Gary Johnson or Jill Stein run. Now we look at Florida. Now we still have a 1.2% difference, but the Gary Johnson voters are uh, and Jill Stein voters are a lower percentage. So how is that going to change everything? Uh, well, again, Donald Trump still wins. The amount that Hillary Clinton picks up is a far greater, uh, but still not enough. Okay, so 1.2% difference. It seems that Donald Trump can over, uh, overtake a 1.2% difference. So let's go take a look at Wisconsin, where there's only a 1% difference. Well, Donald Trump's winning, and he's winning by approximately 23,000. So easily in within the margin of Gary Johnson and Jill Stein uh, voters right here. So if we all of a sudden apply those same principles, those same percentage breakouts that we saw on that very first slide, and now third parties didn't run, now, yes, instead of having a 23,000 uh, difference, we now only have an 18,000 vote difference, but Donald Trump still wins. Okay, so Donald Trump can overcome a 1% difference or a 1.2% uh, difference. We know that. But hey, let's look at Michigan, where the difference is only 
Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are neck and neck. There's only 11,000 votes that go between them way uh, within the margin of error here between Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. Now, all of a sudden, let's take a look. That's right. Donald Trump still wins. Donald Trump still wins, but now instead of being 11,000, he wins by less than 6,000 votes. But unfortunately, with those percentage breakouts that we saw from the pollsters, yeah, he still wins. So it, it makes it really uh, makes it really difficult uh, to start really kind of going into all of those things. And uh, but unfortunately, when you look at numbers and you start to try to apply logic to it, you see a lot of those things really don't change. So we've talked about feelings. We've talked about strategies. We've talked about celebrity involvement, uh, the blame game. We've talked about hard numbers. We've talked about a lot of different aspects here. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it it's painful for a lot of people. And I get that. Uh, yes, popular vote went the way of Hillary Clinton. The Electoral College went for, for Donald Trump. I'd like to say that I was a Gary Johnson supporter. I don't support either of those two candidates. Um, and I'm not defending Donald Trump. Um, but I just wanted to show to everybody that is complaining about uh, the election that third-party candidates in this particular election really would not have made any difference no matter which way you look at it uh and, and it, it the the conversation needs to start changing at this point to where do we go from here what do we do what do we do to make government work for the people and not the people work for the government so hopefully this will really give you the the tools that you need to uh advance this conversation uh and uh move on to the to the next thing uh i, I really want to thank uh george squires and all the people that that suggested this as a topic i think it is an important topic that we need to talk about a little more mundane a little more statistical uh but still something that uh that's really important to go over uh and discuss so uh please uh again Everything that I've said is totally my opinion. I am not attached to the Libertarian Party in any way, shape, or form, even though I personally am a Libertarian, uh, but I, I do not speak for the party. Uh, also, I, I encourage feedback. I encourage questions. I encourage everyone uh, to make statements on this. Uh, if you think I'm an idiot, tell me I'm an idiot. Uh, it's the only way that we can all make it uh, better. So, uh, yeah, that's about it for today. Uh, real brief one again, uh, just a couple of minutes here. Uh, but I thank you for watching, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, we're still working on topics, and uh, if you have suggestions, make sure you shoot Liberty's Lantern on Facebook, uh, that suggestion as well. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to, uh, to make sure that I address everybody uh, and uh, get that done. So I thank you so much, and you have a great rest of your Sunday, uh, and I will see you again next week.